Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Short Story Bingo, Our Stories. Uh, this is episode nine, and I'm very excited to present um, the conversation that I had with Mike Bailey. I'll make it pretty quick here. We spoke about his current path in hip-hop as an artist um, through both his music and through battle rapping, which he has uh, reinvigorated the flame um, that was already burning, but Mike Masters and... Um, other leagues, I mean, are putting, throwing gas on it. And then we spoke about his, um, uh, you know, what he took and what he learned from being, um, you know, in prison and, and, uh, cause he was locked away for about nine years, roughly. And then we also spoke about, you know, some of his family, like, you know what, I'm going too far. Please like, comment, subscribe. I certainly appreciate all the love and support that we've been getting lately, and it means the world to me. Uh, makes this more worth it and more fun to be able to bring this to you. So without further ado, short story bingo, episode nine of our stories. My name is Nature Cone the Third with Mike Bailey. Thank you. See you at the end. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're sad. Most of the time they're funny because I hate to be sad. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. But don't take my word for it. Spare fingers. Yes. One, two. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Short story bingo. My name is Nate Chacon Third. If this is your first time, welcome. If it's not, the retention program is working. What I do on this podcast is I interview friends of mine or folks that I don't know that I like to learn more about. Um, and I want to start off by saying thank you guys so much for the, for episode eight and all the interaction that we had on that with Jay Villain, uh, very interesting guy, man, and uh, very, very stoked on what he has coming up for him in store. And uh, so thank you guys so much. All the new subscribers. Thank you. Uh, Apple podcast listeners. I, I, I can see you because I use Podbean. Shout out to Podbean. And I can see my analytics. And I know a lot of my listens are coming out of there. So if you could take a moment to please leave a review. I don't care if it's five stars or if it's one star. Just please let me know why and what I could be doing better. Or if you love it, tell me that too. I appreciate that too. Um, having said that, let's uh, roll right in. Um, today, uh, we're going to be speaking with uh, the guy to my left here, Mr. Mike Bailey, ladies and gentlemen, Mike Bailey. What's up, Nate? What's up? What's up? <laughs> What's up? <laughs> um, how you been? I've been good, man. Uh, being a dad, mostly. Um trying to prepare lots of lots of things coming out. i'm working on the ep yep which is probably the most important project to me right now uh my daughter my nine-year-old daughter has a play that i'm leaving on uh friday so she has a play tomorrow oh wow so, yeah okay i'm gonna watch it she's a queen in this play wow uh, yeah I, I know she's a mean queen i don't know much else so all right so she's you're been bashful didn't want to practice in front of me so yeah so you're stoked about that yeah. um well that's excellent man i appreciate you sharing that as a new father to be myself uh yeah i'm uh i i take i have this human experience happening right now that when I would hear people say like, you don't know what it's like to be a dad until you're actually like a dad or whatever. I never uh, obviously understood that. 
and is kicking in yeah. pretty fucking quick uh, with even my emotions about shit. So when you were saying that, I was like, oh, damn, that's, that would, that sounds cool. Like, I think the biggest thing, too, like when I was getting ready to be a dad. Keep the mic right here, Doug. It was uh, right like that? Yeah, there we go. Just, okay, there <laughs> we're we go. talking into it. Go ahead. Yeah, so it, it was like a panic for me. Yeah. Because I was not ready. I was on parole, obviously. It's still on parole, but I was on parole. Uh, just gone through like a rehabilitation center. Like I was just trying to fight my demons off. Yeah. Um, and like people started talking to me about baby proofing and talking to me about like all the supplies I would need. And like I was like, I just want to keep the kid alive. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, it's crazy though. Instincts come in so fast. Just yesterday, my seven month old daughter was on the couch. Um, she likes to roll now. She's not quite crawling, but she's rolling. Yeah. And she does a roll, and I'm playing NBA 2K, so I'm looking this way, and she's right here, and I see out the corner of my eye. She's, there, here she goes. She's on the move. She's rolling. I launched out. I caught her leg as she was falling off the couch, and I have hard wood, right? And it's just, like, weird. Like, those little things that, like, I just could sense that my daughter was about to fall off the couch, and yeah. I was there. Got her. Got Boom. her. Right. I can't catch a football Save if you throw it at me. Right, but, yeah. But I caught my daughter. I caught my daughter falling <laughs> yeah. off the goddamn couch. That's a touchdown. Hell, that's a, if I've ever seen one. Yeah, hell yeah. So the premise of this podcast, man, is um, I talk about, uh, you know, our stories here. I don't even know if I properly introduced that, man. Short story bingo, episode A, our stories Look, now we're fucking really rolling here. Now we're starting the podcast. Just kidding. We Let's already go. started. We already started. But um, anyway, I start. I talk about uh, if like the first time that um, I knew about you, and um, uh, and then kind of branch off from there and go on to tangents and what have you. So I, I ever since we scheduled this, I was I've been racking my brain trying to remember the first time I met you, and the biggest memory that comes out to me for me is the B-side battle. For me, hold on, really quick. For me is the B-side battle. That's the first time that I was like, holy shit, like this kid's really, uh, and, a ki and I say a kid because you were a teenager. Um, uh, so I mean no disrespect when I say that, but like, uh, um, I was like, wow, th like this is next up type shit. Um, this is, that was like 2012, uh, roughly. And so, um, I was I was just taken aback, and then I re, when I rewatched that video, um, seeing the judges, Juggy judged, Brisk judged, Pat Main judged that battle, um, Claudio judged, and I know I'm missing one. Um, anyway, um, uh, I think Juggy said one of the like something similar to that. Like I've never heard of Mikey or Mikey B, but um, I was impressed with him or whatever. So like, and that was a lot of what I felt too. So I don't recall the exact the first time I met you. Do you recall the first time meeting me? Yeah. So that was the second. Okay. I think I can't remember if I battled B side or Stackeroni Mac first, but those were like the playoffs back then it was yeah. Mike master playoffs round one. And I had made the playoffs round one off of an, in, an introduction battle. Yep. And that's where I met you was you had a tryout, a Mike masters tryout. It was at Taylorsville park. It was at a park in Taylorsville by yep. skate park. Yep. And, uh, I show up and you guys didn't have an opponent for me. And so suspect, uh, we did a freestyle battle, me versus suspect back now, <sighs> Silas, but yeah, it was yeah, suspect. Yeah. And, uh, we did. I'll never forget. It was the first bar that anybody had ever set against me when I fell in love with battle rap. Side note, my girl, 
she can't understand why I love battle rap. She's like, how do you like these people talking about you in this way and all yeah. these people saying this? And I just try to explain, I'm comfortable there. And I remember it starts off, I'd never battle rapped. Um, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, suspect rhymes with butt sex. Like, that's what I got in my head, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, suspect comes out and he goes, what rhymes with Bailey White? He goes, afraid to fight. And for some reason, right there, I was hooked. Like, I just knew battle rap was for me. And so we freestyled our three rounds, and uh, everybody was congratulating me. I'm like 15, 16. And they're like, yeah, we're going to have you back. We're going to have you back. And I never expected to hear from you or Nick. I think it was also yep. Nick Jones. Yep. And uh, I did. I got a message or whatever. I think it was Facebook. But, yeah, then there was B-Side. Um, I've gone back and rewatched it. That's like you said, I was a kid. I was 16 when I battled B-Side. I mean, I wasn't even supposed to graduate till 2014, I think. So, and that was in 2012. It's fucking wild. Yeah. And uh, I remember back then I had these like rhyme schemes. It was like probably Monopoly, probably never stopping me. Like it was just, I was getting all these words. It's like I was trying to rap so fast to say as much as possible. And so when I watch those old battles, that's what I think. I'm like, slow down, Mikey, slow down. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But, uh. Still cool. sick though. It yeah, was, yeah, it's cool because he was he he's a vet and everybody really had a lot of love and respect for him. And uh, I remember judges coming up saying, "Yeah, that was two one. Like you took a round, and you know, and that felt good." And I was hooked. And then uh, I battled on a hat kid named White Mike, and I destroyed him. And then from there on, I just battled. Yeah. Um. So the first time we met was in Taylorsville Park at the tryouts. Okay. Okay. That makes more sense. Um. Did did we have a lot of interaction, or was it just kind of in passing? Like I would I would say the first few times, no. Uh, I think the first the first time I really talked to you a lot was probably when I battled Stupid King. Okay, and I battled Stupid King. It was the same event in Cadillac. Ron battled Atheist. Um, and that night I had hung out with you guys more personally. I'd had an issue outside, and then like you know I remember <laughs> yeah I. I Ended up getting a scuffle outside. Yeah, yeah. And I remember... A kerfuffle, motherfuckers. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I was panicking, and then there was, like, you and Nick, and everybody was telling me, like, no, you're good here, you're good here, don't worry, you're good here, because I was like, I'm going to get arrested, you know? Oh, okay. It was one of those things, and uh, that's when I first got to, like, really know you was because you were, like, calming me down. You're like, you still have to rap. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man. <laughs> we, we still got an event to do. Yeah. Um. Okay, well, cool. So, so... Taylorsville, uh, you you mentioned um, a pretty significant piece that I want to tap into, which is uh, falling in love with battle rap. So I have to take it back. It begs the question, what even started that spark for battle rap to get you to Taylorsville Park? That's a good question. So I, I like, why I, would you do that? Like, what? Like, why battle? Well, I had this thing where, so I wasn't born with rhythm. That's where all this is going to start. Okay. I was born without rhythm. Um, and all my friends rapped. I had like a dysfunctional home and I ran away from home when I was like 14 and I moved in with, you know, still to this day, I call my brother, his name was Deshaun and they all rapped. They all made their rap songs together and I always wanted to rap, but I was always off beat. Okay. And so I would always get taken off the song. My verse would always get taken off. It would always get taken off. And so, uh, <laughs> dog, yeah, I, I got to put the mic here. Gotta, got no. it. But I'm uh, looking at the levels and shit. I'm like, bro, <laughs> we're, we're missing clean as audio right now. <laughs> so, okay. We got the mic right. All right. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. So I wanted to rap, but I wasn't good enough. And so like, check I, this out. I want to show you something. This is, this is like, like very, uh, yeah. 
Just what it's it's a port system on the fucking back. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. There we go. You'll see a lot of comics to hold their mic like that. Um and I mean I hold it like this when I rap and shit. I used to hold it like yeah, I used to hold it like this I and shit. <laughs> I don't. I can't. I, there's no way because I get I get uh, worried about the um like like muffling. I'm sure you guys can fucking hear that right now. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. That's just an easy way to. All right. Yeah. We got it. We're there good. Go. We're good to go now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, anyway. Uh, yeah. So I wanted to rap with them and I could never keep up. And so I remember that I became obsessive about music, trying to learn about it. And I was trying to learn about beats and how they work and how I could get myself on. And then slowly I started making songs that were listenable. You could listen to them and they were good. Yeah. But I got told to quit rapping more times than i can remember i was told mm. over and over rap is not for you rap is not for you you weren't meant to rap like you're good at basketball play that you played basketball as a kid yeah i played basketball yeah okay okay yeah. okay so i there's a couple things i want to talk about there but continue but yeah yeah so so i was told to quit told to quit multiple times like all over the time over and over almost daily like you know, people, <laughs> almost yeah. almost fucking daily yeah man. they were fucking and the only time where people fucked with me was i was lyrical Okay. I couldn't write a beat, but I was lyrical. And I did get better at getting at a beat. And now you can hear my music and I'm great. I'm fine. Just like everybody else. But that was like dedication. It took me like three years to even be able to be listenable to. I mean, being kicked out of studio sessions, being told it wasn't for me, people laughing at me. We post a song online and everybody talked about how god awful I was. And like I stuck. And like I think that gave me like tough skin, you know? And uh, I so stuck that didn't to it. that <clears throat> did not detract you. No, it made me mad. Got it. Okay. And so I wanted I to this. rap more. Yeah. And, um, but the one time nobody could fuck with me was we would cipher. And when we would freestyle cipher, just like without a beat, we're walking home from school or after a, a game or whatever, you know, at school, we would freestyle and people could not fuck with me. Like, at all. I could just rap better than everybody there, yeah. leaps and bounds. And everybody always told me, oh, you should battle, you should battle, you should battle. And so I, being like probably everybody before they're introduced to a real battle rapper, almost everybody I meet that isn't a part of this culture, I tell them I'm a professional battle rapper and they are like, uh, oh, like 8 Mile. Uh, and I'm like, no, it's like written acapella, right? But back then that was me. Oh, like 8 Mile. When yeah. people are like, you should battle. I'm thinking like 8 Mile. Right. And so when I showed up to that park and I realized everybody had writtens, I was taken aback. You know, because I showed up to freestyle. Yeah. And, um, but like watching the way it happened and everything, like I fell in love there, but I guess like I fell in love originally was because I was just angry. Like wow. I couldn't rap. Nobody wanted to hear me rap, but I was the best lyricist ever. Like I had the best lyrics. I've been told you should be a ghostwriter more times than I can remember. Like, yeah. But now it's like my music is amazing. Like my music is amazing and my battles are amazing. But that just came from getting pissed off. Right. You know, and it was the same thing with basketball. I sucked at basketball when I started. I've never been good at anything. When you started. When I started. Well, no. welcome to the fucking world <laughs> yeah. because that's everyone. Yeah. Well, and like, you hear these stories of people. They're like, oh, it was just meant for me. I picked up a, a basketball and I just could dribble it between my legs like by the time i was three or they're liars think, yeah but that's what you hear you always yeah. hear the success story this raw talent i never Point had zero 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 one percent yeah you know what um 
so there's thank you for sharing all that there's a lot that resonates with me and i'm going to tap into a bunch of shit here so one i want to talk about is uh when we were mic checking um we were reading out of the four agreement. I had you read out of the four agreements just for mic checking. Yeah. And you were, t- it was the impeccable with your word piece. Right. And, and so when you were saying that folks were telling you to fucking stop, da, 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 they were not being impeccable with their word. No. And yeah. so like, and that can tear people the fuck down, bro. You know, that type of fucking, um, uh, I mean, honestly, just tearing down, terrible energy you know like just a very uh, negative energy and not uplifting at all rather than saying hey take some take some time to practice a little bit more it's more like just stop doing this which is i think uh counter counterproductive if you can see that someone uh genuinely loves something or enjoys doing it encouraging them to continue to practice is a lot more effective for that person in some cases i think in your case it sounds like you got better um because of wanting to fight through that and break those walls of like yo this is this is what i want to do and fuck what you guys are saying but to some degree i still i still hold i i would I would bet at least one dollar that if you had if there was a more people around you being more impeccable with their word about you to you about that shit, I think that you might have grown faster yeah. because because you would have had more support about it. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I'm just talking at this yeah. point. So. Well, I mean, like, I just feel like I grew up the most toxic way that a child could grow up, probably. And <clears throat> what was sad was that I remember my dad, when I was a kid, um, listened to, like, country and rock. Okay. And I hated music. I you- was just like... I hated music. I was like, it's trash. Like, this stuff is boring. It sucks. I hate it. Like, why would I want to listen to this crap? You hated music shit? or his music? <clears throat> his music. But okay. I, but like, as a child, I'm thinking this is music. Oh, like, in general, you know? this is music. Yeah. Got so, it. Okay. So, I never wanted to hear shit because I was just like, it's boring. Ghetto it's birds. Fuck, I don't know babies. if you guys can hear that shit. The ghetto birds fucking right, <laughs> yeah. <or laughs> right out the wind. We're, we're on the 40th floor right yeah, now. The, so the, the, I had to walk up 40 flights of stairs yeah, to get to here. Get the fuck here. Uh, but, um, anyway. But yeah, so I, I didn't like music at all. And then uh, the first rap I ever heard was DMX. Whoa. Yeah. And that's quite the introduction. Yeah. And immediately, like, it resonated with me. Like, the, I feel like the anger and his delivery. Mm-hmm. And, like, I just fell in love with it. And so, you know, now I'm around rappers, but they're telling me that I'm not a rapper. And, um, like, I should just write lyrics for them type of stuff, you know? <coughs> but, um,. I don't know. So I feel like the anger is what drove me always. Like that story has come full circle for me because, you know, I did do a stint where I went away from society for a while. Now I'm home and I started making music again. I'm doing shows. I started rap battling again. Well, even when I got good before I left and my music was now decent and my battles were starting to look how they were against B-side, I was clearly good, but I was very young and I wasn't, I wasn't like stand out good yet like i was just there i was i was a good rapper you know but nothing like to write home about and you know so people at that point were in a better place with their music and their battles than i were and um it it still kind of like talked down to me talked bad to me still i felt like i didn't get the respect that i wanted and um now that this 
all this time has passed and I'm in these places with my music and in, in, in my battles, I'm at a certain place on my career with it where now those same people are trying to get me to help them and, you know, almost wanting handouts for me. And it's like, it's almost like full circle because it's like, I remember when I wasn't good enough, you would take me off the song mm. and now you want me to do something for you. You know what I mean? And yeah, so my life I has come full circle like that. And so that anger, I think, got me to where I am with my skill level. And um, I don't think I'd even still be trying if I wasn't so pissed off. If I, okay. Does, look, what you just described, um, a lot of people rise through the ashes like that. You know, so like uh, when I when I say and applause to you for getting out of the fucking uh, mud like that. You know what I mean? Um what I say is when uh, I bring up like folks being impeccable with your word in a support system, I, I just find that very valuable um, because I I had, uh, even though there were some like broken issues at home with like, you know, regular family shit, uh, you know, my mom, uh, she was an alcoholic and so she, she was dealing with her demons, you know, and my dad managed to do his best to steady the ship as much as possible. And even though him and I didn't have, um, the most, uh, personable, uh, like relationship, um, he still was very, 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 uh, about me achieving at like very high levels and was very up like applauding and all that shit, you know? So like, I still, I, I definitely feel like brooding that type of positive energy definitely brings out a lot of things, but I'd also subscribe to the fact when there's a lot of pressure on a rock or, you know, pressure creates diamonds or whatever, you know? So like yeah. that, that also sounds, um, or is a very real thing. And so it sounds like that's more aligned with what motivated you to, to really work on yourself a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that was just like the way that my circumstances were dealt. And um, Look, you could have went off the rails, though. Yeah. Because there's so many people that oh, fucking I have, do. And I have. You know, I've been there. I've, I've, I've been addicted to drugs. I've been in prison cells. And so, like, I've gone both ways with it before. But now it's like I do have a support system. Like, that started yeah. now. Um, you know, I have a girl who will hopefully be my wife soon. Um, we have kids. Hey, we're hoping. Yeah, we're hoping. <laughs> um, I have kids too where, you know, the baby, when uh, we're in the car and she's crying and they want him to calm down, my nine-year-old says, oh, play your music. And my girl's like, yeah, play your music. And it's always, they want my music and they want to watch my battles. And like, it's like such a supporting, loving environment that sometimes like, I feel like I can't breathe. Like, I feel like I almost like I, I gotta like go, <clears throat> like I got to go back around some negative people to, <laughs> to like, you know, just to remind myself to get like, like a, yeah. yeah, to get some dirt on your face a little bit. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. hard man to go from being, be around motherfuckers yeah. to roast you a little bit. Like yeah. A, well, no, nah, I'm just joking. Just coming sort from of shit. Fuck. Yeah. Continue. And I mean, going to prison and then being, you know, involved in like gangs and then like having the drug issues and all that to come from all of that to now like having this like so like supporting loving family sometimes it's weird like i wake up in I the morning yeah i wake up in the morning and i'm like how the fuck did i get here like Woo. you know and now it's like oh yeah we want to go to disneyland um and like the, the way that the universe is working now it's just so weird like we want to go to disneyland we planned a trip to disneyland two months ago and 
lo and behold, they want me to battle on the URL on the way to Disneyland the same date that I was already leaving to go to Disneyland. And even though my family's flying, I said I wanted to take a rental car and drive. I don't. I can't explain to you why I wanted a rental car and drive. I don't know why. I just didn't want to fly. I wanted to drive. This was two months ago. This was two months ago. That you made that decision. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I just want to drive. Like, I don't want to fly. My whole family's flying. I'm just driving. Just me. And um, Oh, my God. That just gave me lo, the chills, Yeah, bro. lo and behold, they want me to battle in Arizona for, you know, a URL tryout. And I don't find that out until a month after that decision. I mean, we, the, the car had already been booked at that point. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, that choice was already made. Had I been on that plane, I don't think I could have made the battle thing happen. And so it's like, just like the way that my life has gone to such a positive place and everything's around me is starting to fall into place. It's strange and I'm very uncomfortable in it because I'm so used to like toxicity and I'm so used to dysfunction that, you know, when I am happy, I get depressed. Interesting. Yeah. What? um, Okay. Okay. So, and honestly, the reason why I say that that's interesting is because your the universe is works in your favor you just described an incredible story of um uh i don't know what the fuck you guys think all right but um i definitely subscribe to like these uh laws that happen in our in our world okay and by that i mean like um the energy that you put out is the energy that you get back. These are regular basic things. I mean, they're in the fucking Bible for Christ's sake. No pun intended there. But uh, what I wanted to say is that, like, I think what you're doing in your in your thought process and, like, things that you're envisioning um, are being very productive to that. So to, I, I can understand what you're also talking about, about um, when you say that, like, it kind of feels, like, suffocating a little bit. Like, you're like, I do need a breathe. Yeah. Because, like... I'm used to being um, by myself to some degree for real. Like I'm like only looking out for myself. And so, um, and although from everything I've heard from you, not just here, but um, as our relationship is budded and I'll go into that here too, but uh, uh, you're very protective of your family. So that, that's not to say that either. I'm just saying that sometimes it's like, yo man, I need to breathe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think um, I've, <laughs> dropping the equipment um i found weird ways too where it's okay so i was in prison for seven years and i felt a sense of relief in prison when we were locked down um when the whole yard was locked down and the reason that was was because the yard i was on people were doing 25 35 life everywhere and I was a short timer. From the moment I walked in the door, I was a short timer. Seven years from the door, I'm a short timer. And um, things are crazy when it gets crazy there. And people were living like without fear of consequence. Yeah. And I felt a sense of relief being locked in my little room, my little cage, because I didn't have to. I had to. I had to put up such a front because not only am I a white person in a federal prison that's smaller than a lot of the guys there younger than almost everybody there i also was from a black gang where that does not fly in the federal politics and so when i touched down they said hey like you know you need to become a you know you need to fall in line you're a wood you you know you eat with the whites you do this with the whites you you only watch the white tv i was like fuck that i'm not white bro like i'm folks like where are the gds at 
And so like I made that decision when I walked in, like, no, I'm, I'm going to ride with the hood on this. And I always had to be more extra. Like I had to be quicker to fight, quicker to anger. I had to be more willing to prove myself. I always felt that when I was there. And so when we were locked down, like say, you know, somebody stabbed somebody, the whole yard's locked down. I felt relief in that little room. Well, now when my kids are running around screaming and my girl is stressed out and the TV's blaring and I'm just like having a sensory overload, I go in the bathroom and I just lock the door. And that's where I write my battles. That's where I write my songs. That's where I meditate. That's where I do everything. I sit on the toilet. Sometimes I turn on the shower to remind myself that like, hey, like, you know, everything's cool. Like, just listen to that. Because I do, I get anxiety. And so like, it's weird. Sometimes I have to go put myself in the smallest place available to me and lock myself in there. And it's like, I've tried to like, I've tried to learn more about like brains and like how they work and why I'm that way. But like, I mean, I don't know exactly how I spun off on this, but it's like, no matter how good life gets for me, I still have to find ways to like remind myself of like, I don't know how to put it. Like everything is so perfect and I'm only one decision away from ruining it. Doug, thank you for saying that because we all are. Yeah. Everyone is, bro. There's a lot of folks um, that are living paycheck to paycheck for real, for real. Um, thank God. Um, I'm, I, I'm grateful for, but honestly, like if I lost my paycheck tomorrow, like tomorrow, fuck that. I'd be fucking fine. I'd figure it the fuck out. But, uh, the point is, is that like, there are people that are like one check away from eviction. Um, uh, being in a tumultuous spot in their relationship um, one decision away from uh, ruining an incredible decision, one decision or uh, an incredible situation that's supposed to happen to them, one decision away from ruining two years, three years fucking of work to, I don't know if it's like DCFS or some shit, you know, like you've been like, oh, I've been doing this for th- this many years and I got this one thing that happened. Like, what the fuck, you know, like, and the state don't give a fuck, you know? So like for you, to, for you to say that, I know that there's people out there listening right now that may resonate with that. And I'm just saying that I feel very, very strongly that you fucking got this shit in the bag. All of you motherfuckers are champions. I'm a champion. We are going to create some cool ass shit, whether it's through your art or whether it's through your welding job, whether it's through your sales at work, you're going to create like this new pipeline that the rest of your sales agents uh, on your team or that you're managing are going to be like, what the fuck you created that you have the power in you, dog. Like you have it in you, and I spoke to you about this over the phone just recently. Like I, yeah. because it's how I feel. I I vibrate pretty high on a fucking very. I want. I I like obviously the easy word to say is positive, but it's more than that. It's more just like I am a god. I am God. Like I feel like I have like God. Like if I'm made of from God's image, then I am a piece of God. Um even if I didn't like, wasn't like super religious or anything, like that's just how I feel, you know? And I had to go through a lot, bro. Not to get to this point, even, you know, I've, I've, I've encountered a lot of different shit, bro. Like to get to a stasis of mind where 
I caught like I'm very cognizant of like how I move now, man. Like and the people that I keep around me and shit. Like it's very, very important to me. Like this space even, yeah. you know, is very productive for me. Like, um and so when you said all that, I'm going on a tangent, but it's for a reason and um and the reason is this is that when when you said all that, like sometimes that you need to lock yourself away, I mean there's zero fucking judgment here about that shit. If that's fucking what, what you need, dog, then fucking do that. Cause I can't even imagine like what that would have been like, um, to have been thrown into that situation at such a young age into grown man, uh, prison. It was a prison or jail. It was prison. It was yeah, prison. It yeah, was yeah. Prison. Federal where, prison. Where, 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 where was the uh, which prison was it at? Florence, In Florence, F- Colorado. Florence, Colorado. Okay, um, and you were there for six years, seven. Yeah. Well, so I did three years in state prison. And I did four years in federal prison, um, but there was no release in between the two. It was from state custody to federal custody, just getting transferred. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but like all that aside, like, so the reason why I, I like to always remind myself that you, you're, you're one choice away from anything always is that like the biggest issue I've always had in my life is loyalty mm. um, and me being a gang member, you know, it's. I see people calling my phone and I can feel the energy. Like when it starts to vibrate, I can look at it. I've probably never missed a call from you. You know, I've probably yeah. always picked up the phone Yeah, because I can feel the energy. Like this is, this is a, a good conversation. This is somewhere good to go. Right. I also, sometimes when my phone vibrates, I look down, I see the name and I feel the energy and I'm one yes away from being right back in that box. Woo-wee. You know what I mean? Like, it's like I can literally answer one phone call and then now here I am again in a car with a gun again and, you know, going to going to do whatever. You right. know, we might be going to confront some homies, girlfriend who's cheating on them. But like I've seen how these situations end, you know, and and so I always have to remind myself that that it's like no matter how stressed I get at home or how sadly I take I bite off a whole lot, you know, more <sighs> than I can chew. So, like, for example, I'm leaving here in a couple of days. We're going to Disneyland. I have a battle in Idaho. I have a meeting in California. I have a, a, I'm going to do something very sentimental in California as well. And then I have this battle for the URL in Arizona. All these things going on. Well, I wanted to shoot a music video because I've been shooting and editing my own music videos. And I wanted to shoot a music video in California, but I don't have a song that I like enough to shoot a video to in California. Sure. So I'm like, oh, I have to record Right. And so here I am memorizing rounds for two different battles and worrying about all these trip details. And I'm leaving in two days and I'm coming to a podcast today. And then tomorrow I'm going to a studio, but I haven't wrote the song yet. So in between this podcast and that studio session tomorrow evening, I have to figure out how to watch my daughters play, do Uber Eats and also write a song. And it's like I have so much going on constantly. And I remind my, I, I start to get down about it. I start to think, you know, oh, I hit writer's block. Like everything's too much. Like I can't handle it. And then I have to remind myself, like, why, why do I do this? Like, why am I living in such a highly motivated like fashion? Mm-hmm. And it's because I've spent so many times where it's like, okay, like I'm bored. I guess like I can answer, like I can yeah. see what they're doing. You know, I could go out with them. And then the next thing you know, I'm in cop car, you know, handcuffs on the whole shebang. 
and you know somebody's been shot and everything has gone downhill really fucking fast jesus and so now i have to <clears throat> keep myself busy and stay around my family and not answer those phone calls because they don't love me like the way that i love them and i learned that so like i'm not somebody who's going to drop his hood deny he was from there i'll never become a rat but i also will not continue to give people time who don't give anything to me yeah of course you know they don't care about me they just want to get into trouble whatever it is what it is and i feel bad for them <clears throat> like i want them to see the light that i've seen and realize that that life is super dead end but they don't and so i just keep going forward with all the things that i have yeah you know and so i have to be careful about the phone this right here is my biggest trigger this will be my fastest relapse is answering this phone to the wrong number god damn dude okay well fucking keep that uh on as much in fucking alignment as possible with not doing something wild um but there's a uh when you were saying all that have you um uh ever like youtube time blocking what is that like a uh a, a scheduling like a, a scheduling tool? i mean you can get that from um the name the or just like the, the words i'm saying um Time blocking is not just like a like a program or something. Time blocking is um, like uh, being able to manage your schedule. Um, and there's like a lot of different methods to do this. But um, being able to manage your schedule to optimize your performance. And so um, that's something just hearing you, um, that would be something that I would suggest just off, just off rip because like I do the same shit. Um, I definitely overload a lot and I've, um, I'm grateful for those, for people in my life that care about me, uh, to be able to point that out to me and be like, Hey, you're doing too much. Yeah. Uh, because I, historically I've been industrious is what it's called. Like it's a, there's a term for it. My, and that's because my dad's industrious, uh, industrious. So like he has a ton of shit going on all the time. Ever since I was like fucking this small dude, like he's always doing something like we're always like going to, we volunteer for this or fucking, um, every weekend we'd be at my uncle's or some other place working like he was, a, he's a master carpenter. And so like, we always were working, you know, and always around a lot of people. My dad's like very, uh, uh, he's an extrovert, but he has very introvert tendencies. He likes to be by himself too, you know? And I, I fucking, I am him. I am a piece of him because I'm the same way. Like I'm very much out, but I appreciate when I'm in, you know? Yeah. But I, but he has so much stuff going on sometimes. And, and at, now it's different, but like when he was my age, uh, like I don't know. It's sometimes difficult to catch up with him, and I know, and I know that like I could see him when he wasn't having a lot of stuff going on. Like he would be depressed, like in his room, like, and that's how I fucking get. Like if yeah. I don't have stuff going on, I'm like, fuck, dude. Like I feel like my life's not doing shit. Like I'm not doing shit, you know? Yeah. I so so um, yeah, just time blocking. That's all. I just like even just YouTubing time blocking methods, um. Because it, you are someone who um, appreciates like self progression and shit, and so I know that it, you know you might get a kick out of that shit. Another thing, um, uh, and I've been suggesting this book since Mousley's episode, or maybe before, but it's only because I just came up on it. It's called The Game of Life and How to Play It. Have you heard of this book? No, but I just saw you posting that to okay. uh, Real Poet, dude. Um, I listen. I've listened to it once a week. 
since I heard it like four weeks ago, five weeks ago. Um, and uh, it's amazing. It's a reset. It's two and a half hour um, listen. Uh, it's a small book. Like if you bought the book, it's a smaller book, a little similar to the four agreements, a little bigger maybe, but um, the it's by Florence Shin. Um, and it talks, it teaches and talks about um, how just basic principles of the energy that you're putting out is the energy you receive. And um, I'm telling you the level up just that I felt for real after two and a half hours of just listening to that and what I've implemented into my life um, in the last, I honestly, it's like two months since I, I don't remember when I listened to it. It was fucking recent. I know I've been talking on this fucking podcast. Someone was going to fucking comment and be like, it was like fucking episode three dickhead. But um, <laughs> since then um, it's been awesome for me and I would highly suggest that book too. Okay. So like when you're doing Uber eats, um, because I've done, you know, like DoorDash and shit, it would be sick as fuck. Yeah, that's that's actually what I do is I listen to audiobooks and uh I uh listen to podcasts. I, I will not listen to music in the car anymore. Why? Uh couple reasons. <laughs> couple a few <laughs> couple, things. A couple reasons. Uh <clears throat> one, because I'm so obsessive about everything that I do, and so as soon as I start listening to music, it's like I want to get in the studio, you know, and it's oh, like wow. immediate jonesing. I'm like, oh, I just heard good a good song. I want to go do something now like this, you know. Yeah. Uh, but that's like the smaller reason. the 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 big reason is the style of music I make and listen to is very, oh god, it's like pollution on the brain, and yeah. so I can't spend much time listening to it anymore. I, I I still do sometimes, but I have to like dedicate that to like, oh, if I'm working out or if I'm like angry, really bad and need a vent, you know, but I can't just spend all day listening to people talking about all the gang shit they've done, you know, um, it puts wow. me in that mindset to where I got to go do that now, you know, and so and, and a lot of people won't admit that we like to think that we are like these individuals who are so strong and we don't. We're not influenced so easily, but we are. We're influenced by everything that we watch, everything that we hear, and everything that we do. And so if you just listen to gangster music all day, that's the type of shit that you're going to want to do. But if you spend your time listening to things, you know, whether it's... I, I just listen to things that interest me sometimes, like whether it's Joe Rogan talking about some bullshit or whether I'm listening about the lost city of Atlantis or whether I'm listening about a murder mystery. It's something that just intrigues me, and I decide, hey, I'm going to... I'm a nerd out on this for a while, and then once I get my fill, then I move on to my next topic that jumps out at me. But I have to do that. I have to listen to podcasts and audiobooks and that kind of stuff because music is a dead end street for me. I know where it goes if I listen to music all day. It just goes to me being stupid and easily influenced. Interesting. Yeah. So the 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 easy influence part is fucking so true, and like uh, I think. When you started talking about the pollution piece, I was I'm thinking about my boy Joe Baca. Um, what up, Joe? Uh, he um, talked about how he doesn't really listen to like Mob Deep and shit uh, like he used to, and it's mostly because of like just uh, just the messaging, you know, like it's in the music, and and he's like, and it's fucked up because I love that shit, and he's like, but it's just not conducive to what I'm doing now and how I'm moving, and it was. It was difficult for me to like, it wasn't difficult, but I was like, man, fuck that shit. Who gives a fuck? You know, but like it is real, you know, yeah. like it is real, like for sure. Because, um, every, you know, you're, we're, 
ingesting so much and now it's it's incredible i mean we're not i'm not saying any platitudes that people don't already know but like now because of how many channels um there are and i'm not just talking about like cable um your phone is a channel and your instagram i mean how many times like every single person's profile is a channel and so like there's so much to take in that yeah. you that you're that's available to you to take in. Excuse me, that's how I should say. It. Yeah, um, that it's that it is important to rope that and fucking harness exactly what you allow yourself to take in. So I appreciate you saying that because that does. Yeah, I mean that's fucking so true. I mean the genre of music I make and will make for the foreseeable future is trap rap and gangster rap, and the reason is is because I'm using this now as an outlet. The things that I have done, I'm still processing. All my music is trauma-related when you listen to it, and I'm still processing a lot of shit. And then uh, maybe once I get past that, I'm still using it as an outlet to talk about the things that I miss doing or that I, I, I could be doing. I'm outletting it there, but I can't listen to it all day. Yeah. And if there are people <laughs> who think that we aren't so easily influenced, like it's real easy to show. It's, um, you know, you could say, okay, gangster rap. Uh, didn't really affect the urban areas or whatever. Didn't affect the urban environment because they were already like that. There was already a lot of poverty going on. It was already a lot of, you know, crime going on to to meet people's needs. You know, dishonest ways of of obtaining your needs, right? But why do you think you have these suburban kids who, you know, come from well-to-do families? who are buying guns and wearing bandanas and joining gangs and wanting so badly to be accepted into that culture. Well, it's because of the music and the TV and the movies. And so it's like, I'm not like saying that stuff's evil and like we need to ban it. I'm just saying that if that's what you choose to spend your time on all day, every day, the chances are that's what you're also going to put into the world. A hundred percent. You know? Yeah. So, well, I I think, I'm, well, I mean, I fucking beat a dead horse. To, to I, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse, but I, I agree with you. I, I just agree with you. I mean, fucking whatever you think about and whatever you ingest is fucking what's going to come out. It's for real. It's like whatever you eat, I mean, you have to digest it. And sometimes your stomach doesn't digest so well. Whatever you listen to, you're going to have to digest it. And sometimes your brain, which is your fucking uh, stomach. That's why they call I mean, you have two brains, like your stomach and your fucking brain. Um uh, anyway, so like whatever you listen to, your brain has to fucking digest it and what's going to come out of it. Like it's not always going to be sick or dope, you know? Yeah. If it's shitty stuff that you're feeding yourself uh, in your brain, then it's going to create like bad fucking brain bowel movements, you yeah, know? Like you, exactly. you're not thinking correctly, you know? Yeah. So that's, there's a lot to be said there. What about, I have a question here. Also, great piece on all that. I'm going to, I have, there's so much to clip out of that because you, you had a lot of gems you dropped there. So I appreciate that for sure. I want to, um, just briefly touch on the, the federal and state prison system and the differences in them and what you, what, uh, um, were some stark, were some contrasts that you saw between both systems? Because when I said, asked you, I was like, well, was it state or, or was it jail or prison? Um, I know, I don't know anything. I mean, I just know from what I've heard. All right. Right. And um, so the differences in like atmosphere um, and security uh, or see me like, you know, um, yeah, security, I guess. And then um, 
uh, cleanliness. I mean, is it better to be in a federal state prison than a state pr- run prison or, you know, all that. So, so just like yeah. the differences. So, okay. So I'll start with, I'm that. not, I'm not saying to be a fucking yeah. activist for fucking <laughs> no, prison. Yeah. I, I want to know. I just want the, cause some people that listen to this don't have any idea what the fuck. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, to start, I'm going to start with, uh, which is better for like living environment piece. I'll start there. That, that one's a, it's a, it's a, Catch twenty two, right? Either way you go. So I remember. <laughs> Either way is yeah. Bucket, yeah. Well, I remember that when I uh, when I was starting my trip, everybody was like, "Okay, try to get to run concurrent, and the feds will just take you. Like, don't don't do your state time. Just try to go straight to the feds. The feds is so much better. It's gonna have better food. It's gonna have better this. It's gonna have better, 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 better." And um, it wasn't true. So when I was in state prison, the 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 pros there or that the racial politics did not matter. Um, it was only gang politics. So it didn't matter what color you were. It mattered about which gang you were or if you weren't in a gang. Those those were the politics, right? So hmm. you could just be like a white guy who didn't bang, or you could be a white crip or GD in my case. You could be a white anything you want or a black anything you want, except a black white supremacist. But, you know, you could be a, you could be just about anything you wanted. I that's, hate that I've been- <laughs> Yeah. That's hey, that's the truth though. Is it's it's funny is that can't you can be fucking Clayton Bigsby. You can be a white person, and the black people will accept you and have you in a black gang. But you cannot be a black person that wants to be in a white gang. You cannot be a Mexican person that wants to be in a white gang. White supremacist gangs are the only gangs that are really actually about some like racist shit. Oof. That's that's and I hate them. I hate them all equally. Um, but aside from that, so when I was in state prison. I didn't have to worry too much about the politics. I was a white G- GD and everybody knew it and there wasn't much to talk about on that front. Um, the state prison is a little more wild. There's going to be more stabbings. There's going to be more fights. Um, not to... And I when I get to the feds, I'll touch on yeah. the other side of that. But like it, the fist fighting and the stabbings are going to happen more often in a state prison. Um, but in state prison, you're going to have a TV that you can have in your cell. You're going to have certain electronics you can have. There's There's some privileges there that are that are nice. Um, in federal prison, you're not going to have a TV in your room. What you have is you have a radio, and when you go out, you got the black TVs, the white TVs, the Mexican TVs, and then within those TVs, so I was on the black TVs, you've got GDs, you've got Bloods, you've got Crips on the TVs, and each TV has a radio station number that you turn your radio to to listen to, but there is no TV in your cell. When you lock down in the state, two, three days maybe, you lock down the feds, two, three months. Whoa. Yeah. Um, the feds food was probably better. Uh, the commissary is better in the feds, but you just can't have electronics. Like I said, in, in the state, you can have an MP3 player. Well, you can have an MP3 player in the feds, but not a TV. Mm. Um, now in the feds, the fights in the, in the, in the stabbings and things, that's going to happen a lot less, but when it does happen, it's going to be serious. It's going to be 50 on 50 type of shit. Like it's going to be a whole yards turning the fuck up for eight hours until the cops have gotten everybody locked back down. Um, I've seen a lot of crazy shit in both and I've had a lot of boring times in both. Um, overall, I liked state prison better because of the, it's just like, it's so, it's so bogus in the feds. Like you have to remember what car you're in and like who you've aligned yourself with. Like as a white, as a white GD, I had to be extra careful to never talk to white people, um, in the feds, like to never be cool with white people, that type of stuff. Um, 
say you're a white guy and you're going into federal prison and uh, you're not a gang member, so you're just going to ride in your car. You're going to be like, okay, I'm, I'm a Utah white. Well, that means you're an independent white, which means you're a peckerwood, which means that you've agreed that now you're a racist, even if you're not. But let's say you're not racist, and now you're riding in this racist car because you had no choice. And, uh, you know, you've been you've been doing, let's say, you've been playing poker. You've been playing poker at this certain table, and you and all the guys have gotten super cool on this poker table, and it just so happens two of them are black, two of them are white, and two of them are Mexican. They decide they're going to make a pizza. The blacks and the Mexicans are going to eat this pizza together. They invite you, and you're like, well, yeah, I'll eat pizza with you guys. As soon as you take a bite of that pizza, the white people are going to stab you or or jump you or, or whatever, roll you out of there. And so it's like that type of stuff in the feds. It's so hard to remember that, like, God, like, it's, you can't be like, oh, well, we're cool. Like, we relate about a lot of things. We talk about a lot of things. Like, it can't be like that in the yeah. feds. Your guard has to constantly be up. And the state is different. In the state, it doesn't matter. Like, in the state, it's like, it doesn't matter if you guys are from different cars. If you're playing poker together, you want to eat together, do it. Who cares? You know? And so that was probably the biggest difference, I think. Um, what would you, what, what would, um, you mentioned car, what's cars? Like A, a car is, is your group, your clique. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I could, I could discern that, but like, yeah, okay, so that's what, yeah. Yeah, so a car is just like... So they'll say, like, you're riding in the car, you know, and if you're getting kicked out the car, that just means that, like, like if somebody's getting booed from the car, that means that they're going to be, you know, getting stomped out and going to PC after that. Um, but, like, that's just always what they've called it is a car. Like, you're either yeah. in the car or you're running behind the car. Damn. You know? That's so, fucking yeah. wild. Yeah. Um, what would, uh, you know, coming out of that experience, when, when did you get, when, when did you get out? Uh, June 2021. Okay, so a little over a year uh, now. Almost, yeah, a year almost and a half. About two years, yeah. Almost, It'll be two coming years. Coming up on two years, yeah. yeah. Coming up on two years. Um, what, um, what did you find the most difficult to adjust to, um, you know, that first, let's just say month, even week, I guess, but just like some um, things, challenges um, adjusting back to. I would say uh, driving, driving was hard to get back used to. Dealing with traffic was really hard for me to get used to. Um, but like, that's not very deep. Like, like some of the things that were like really, really hard for me to get used to was. Um, that is a thing, though. Having having decisions to make like all the time was pretty major for me. And I didn't do good at first. Um, I made a lot of bad decisions and I was heading right back to prison and I did, I got a second chance and I went to rehab and I fixed it. Um, but that was the hard part was having decisions and like having freedom because the whole time I was in prison, all they taught me how to do was survive. Like it was just about survive. It was just about hustle, 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 hustle. So I got food under my box for the next lockdown. Uh, it was about like not say the wrong thing to the wrong person about knowing how to shut up and when to shut up. And it was about knowing when to like not even have to ask, just ride. Like it was like this, just this crazy place where you're just like put down to these like minimal things. Like it's, it's, you're like a, like an animal, like yeah. you're just thriving off of instinct at that point. And so then when you get back out here and you have all these choices you can make, who you're going to hang out with, what you're going to do with your time. I didn't do good at first. At first, I was going to hang out with the same people of who never wrote me. Um, you know what I mean? Uh, I was going to get high. I was going to, you know, do all these stupid things. 
because I, nobody taught me how to make decisions while that whole time that I was in prison, nobody ever sat me down and was like, this is how you make decisions. Like, you know, this is how you think into the future. And like, that sounds like a skill. Most people probably have that. Most people probably graduated high school. I graduated high school in a prison. You know, most people probably understood how to make decisions because of their parents. But when you're in the prison, most of us don't know how to make decisions and that's mm -hmm. why they go back. And I remember when I was in prison, I've watched multiple times somebody leave and not even a month later, they walk back in those doors. And I'm like, fuck, what happened? And it was always one of two things. It was either a drug or a bitch every time. Every that's time. all it ever was. They went back to their ex or they went back to drugs and they usually was both. Like, And that's... <laughs> oh, and it was... Yeah. Yeah. So that was what I did different was I never got back with my exes. Um, and then when I started to actually be successful, it was about being clean. And it was just about like, I had to learn how to make decisions though. Like if it wasn't for the girl that I'm with now, I don't think I could have done it because she was there for parts of my prison stay. Like she, we actually met and started our relationship while I was still in prison. Wow. We started as pen pals. Um, and, uh, she was that person who, when I wasn't strong enough to make decisions, she was able to make them for me. But yeah, like the hardest things to get used to is definitely just freedom in general, making decisions. But everything was so hard to get used to, to a certain degree. Like I didn't like, um, I think the hardest thing was learning to let things go mm. probably because I was, I wanted to prove who was fake so bad. Like, you're not really from your hood. You ain't never wrote your homies. You ain't never really been to prison. You're a rat. Like, I wanted to, like, expose everybody's cards, especially in the rap game. I still do in the rap game. I can't lie. I love to I love to expose people in the rap shit. But, but like, I, it was hard for me to finally just, like, let go and say, like, you know, it doesn't matter what I say or what they say. Like, I just need to worry about me. Right. Because in prison, you're not worried about you. Matter of fact, you're trying to worry about everything except for you. You don't want to think about how many days you have left. You don't want to think about how many months you have left. You'd rather think about who's got a poker debt. You'd rather think about who's got a dope debt. You'd rather think about, you know, all the drama that has to do with everything except you and your situation. So I had to relearn how to think about me and not be so worried about everybody else. It's an intense movement of ecosystems because you're going out of an, an entirely different world into another different world. I mean, um, as much as we uh, don't understand, like don't know what that looks like because like the prison system um, and just that whole system in general, like is uh, away from the, the regular mainstream view. It's only, it, it's very difficult to like understand what that's like for someone to come out of a very um, intensely, like it's just a very intense world <laughs> um, and then being placed <clears throat> into um, freedom as it were, you know? And um, it's, it's sad to watch people try to, to, to get back used to this world and actually thrive in this world, which now I've gotten to that point. But out of all my friends that I made in prison, we all got out at different times um, I remember right before I got out, my best friend, we'd been cellmates for three years. Like we became like brothers. Um, his name's Pella. Um, what up Pella? Well, I've got a rest in peace tattoo. That's where that's oh, going. Oh, sorry, Pella. No, it's all right. It's cool. Yeah. What up Pella for real? Yeah. Like, what up Pella? But, Shit. What up? Pella. But, um, he was an rest amazing, peace, amazing guy. Amazing guy. The type of guy in prison that he didn't care 
about like if you were in a debt, if you were in trouble because you had a debt, I've watched him do it with people that weren't even like from his hood or anything like that mm. would have debts and he didn't want to see them get hurt and he would pay their debts. Damn. Like he was that kind of guy. And he still, when he came home, he over, he, what happened was he had drugs and he got pulled over and um, he was so scared to go back. Well, we so scared to go back. He was so scared to go back that he swallowed all of them and he died. Oh my God. And, um, you know, and then that's just one story out of many, but I know so many people, another one, uh, the last friend I have left that I made in prison that's still out is on the run right now. And I can't answer his calls because of that. Yeah. Cause he's on the run. I don't have a single person besides me that I met in prison. That's still free today. Um, I actually won, but he just got out. So I have to see how that goes. Sure. But like it's we're always so quick to go back. And that's the sad part I think about prison is that is that it's a revolving door. It's built for you to go back and for you to not go back. Your only intention has to be to not go back and you have to like make every decision knowing that somebody's watching you mm. and that's how you have to live your life. But the thing is, is again, we're not taught proper decision making. We're not rehabilitated. And so it's so sad to watch all these people go back and it's so sad to watch all these people die. And it's just like, I think prison took it from them because at the time, like, I still don't have a license. I just got my permit. You know what I mean? I'm 27, right? Because I missed all that part of my life. I learned how to shave in prison. Like, I literally missed all those major things. Like, I didn't go to a college. I didn't do the things that a lot of people do. And neither did all these guys. And so all these guys, when they come back out here to the world, I always hear, this is like a huge tangent. I'm sorry, but... Don't be sorry I, at all. I always hear about people talking about black lives matter which certainly they they do and i agree with the movement and i always hear about you know feminist movements and and i certainly believe they should be treated as equals and the gay things i i totally agree that gay people should be treated equal i have no problem with all that but like the biggest discriminated group that nobody talks about is felons oh, right shit. we can't get we can't get houses we cannot get apartments in most places we can't have certain types of jobs which is almost every type of job so either you're going to work in a restaurant or construction that's about it or an assembly line and like nobody talks about how discriminated against felons are we can't even vote for the president like think about that think about how long ago women lobbied to be have the right to vote mm -hmm. felons still today cannot vote like think about that so like that's the biggest i think group that there is that's discriminated against and so the world is just fucked up yeah the world is fucked up there's also a lot of beautiful things in it too yeah but i i will um i'll say like do you think that um playing devil's advocate uh like for do you think there should be state like levels of uh felonies that should be able to vote or whatever you know because there's some felonies that might you know you well, just it, it depends on where you're at to that part but do you, do you understand what i'm yeah, saying yeah yeah, yeah because um, I think that there's like some that are like, okay, well that might say, um, like, well you, uh, those rights were taken because of X, um, action that you did that, you know, whatever. So I would say so, that, but I'm just, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay go. So I would say that I have, met and also really quick, I agree with you that there's, uh, it's very difficult to rehabilitate into the civilian world as a felon because yeah. of everything that you just said is stacked against you. You're like, because people just write it off immediately. And yeah. uh, they're just like, oh, no, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Da, da, da. So continue. Again, yeah. I couldn't do any of it without my girl. That's how stacked against me it was. But 
Um, so I, like, I do understand, like, should there to be degrees of like what a person has done and their and their ability to basically have a certain type of treatment when they come home. And so, like, I would say this: it's hard to do that because I met a murderer while I was in prison. Who, if you look at his charges, he murdered a man and a woman. Okay, he walked in the house and he murdered a man and a woman. That's what you see on paper. Okay. He was also the nicest person to me. My whole prison stay would give me the shirt off his back. Constantly was trying to educate people, teach them. He was teaching people out of the Quran, but he would teach, he would meet you where you were at and have real discussions with you. Um, you know, he was a guy who would wash clothes for people. He would, he would just do anything he could to help out. He was a nice guy. He's never going to come home. He has natural life. He will never, ever come home. Doesn't have a chance at parole. Um, and then I've met a guy who was locked up on petty drug charges, got pulled over crossing state lines with a certain amount of meth, right? This guy also would lie to you no matter what. He will steal your phone time. He will do anything he can to, to get anything out of your pocket, right? And when you look at these guys on paper, well, this guy has a petty drug crime. He was a drug addict. He made a mistake. This guy murdered two people. But let's dig in deeper. Well, that same guy who has that drug charge, if you dig into his history, he probably actually came from a decent family. And uh, just lied, stole, did a lot of that. Not saying he's not fixable, but he's been a snake on all levels of life. Yeah. But all he is is just a drug addict, right? So so they don't look at him as bad as they do the murderer. Mm. But this murderer, what they fail to mention is he walked in on his wife cheating on him with somebody that he knew and he killed them both in the heat of the moment. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? A passion. Like a passion. So you can't really do that. So no, I don't think there should be something like that. I think that there needs to be a program that is there for anybody who comes out of prison that does more than what they do offer. It needs to offer like a realistic way out, not, not the bullshit that they have. Cause the bullshit that they have does not work. There needs to be some sort. And I'm not a politician and I'm not, I have not put my mind into solving these type of world problems, Sure, but there are people out there capable of solving these world problems in a position to solve these world problems. And there needs to be a program that helps anybody who's willing to put in the work. I think but there's just not. There's a lack of of prison reform and a lack of like felon reform. There really is a lack of that. You can go to a drug program, but you mean to tell me I have to get addicted to drugs to ask for help? That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's an interesting point um, about just rehabilitation in general. If we're talking about that, like prison and jail, um, and I was just having a conversation similar to this, but like if that if that is supposed to be rehab like a rehabilitation process and um that doesn't just end there so like there should be pro uh, like why aren't there programs for that and that speaks to the um drug and alcohol programs that are lacking and mental health programs that are lacking within our general society here in the United States. And so I think across the board, there could be more in support for, um, multiple, uh, um, folks that are dealing with different things. And I think for felons like coming out and having, um, honest conversations that come to the table, like for, like you were just bringing up, like with politicians and what have you, it's like, um, you know, it, I, you said it great. Like if there's work being put in by folks to really try to integrate back into society, why are, why should they not be um, given the, um, the opportunity to yeah. be able to fully integrate back into society after being, after showing some sort of um, work towards, you know, a goal of wanting to have that, you know, to have those rights again, because I think, I think we can do that. I just uh, like, um, there's some folks, um, you know, I'll hold some of my personal opinions to some degree back, but uh, there's 
I just, I, there's some folks that like, they, if they're not putting in the work for like their own rehabilitation, then it's like, uh, I don't know. That's that whole, it's very difficult for me to try to like process because I don't know, um, enough about, uh, the prison system in general in order to uh, speak about the laws that are being enforced right, right now. So I, know, I, is, I, I, admittedly. You I know? think the thing is, is that, so for me to succeed the way that I have been in my life, it took nonstop dedication and hard work for me, but that still wasn't enough. It took my girl and her family, her mom in particular, and the help that they give me, and I couldn't have done it alone. But the thing is, is that, the reason that I am such a rare side of the statistics and that there's a lot less like me and a lot more like my friends who have gone back and died. And the reason it is, is because how hard it was. Everybody to some degree wants to change when they come home in the beginning. They do to some degree. I mean, there's those few who don't, but to some degree, everybody wants to change. Each one of us can only take so much shit though, right? And so the amount of shit I was able to take was probably just a lot more than the average guy the coming back home. Yeah. yeah, but there's a certain point, you know, some person, some guy, it might be the fourth Smith's Marketplace that tells them they're not good enough to work there. That might be the straw that breaks their back. For another guy, it might be the third apartment while he's fucking sleeping on the streets that tells him that he didn't pass a background check, even though they took all his money for the application fee and the other fee that they have. It used to be just an application fee, which was 50 to 100 Now there's a $300 fee called like a, uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called, but me and my girl had to deal with them. There's another fee that is now non-refundable. That's hundreds of dollars. And they know they're going to tell you no. They could have told you no before you paid that, but they don't. And so for another guy, it might be three of those before it breaks his back. And wow. he finally says, well, there's a thousand dollars. I'm hitting the streets again. You know, for another guy, it might be, he just came home and found out his girl cheated on him. Who knows? Yep. You know what I mean? Who knows? But it's just way too hard to turn your life around. And if you don't have people in your corner helping you, you're not going to get it done. Period. You're not. Cause I couldn't have done it without the help I had. Yo, shout out to the help that you had, bro. That's, um, uh, that's big, man. It goes back to what I was talking about, about the support systems and the, what we were talking about being impeccable with your word. And it sounds like those folks are doing that for you and you're holding up your end of the bargain with them. And so, uh, big ups to you and kudos to you on that. I want to make sure to end this on a, um, and thank you so much for sharing the story of, cause there's so much more that we could get deep, get into that. And we will, there has to be a part two of this. So, yeah. <laughs> um, um, but I do want to, uh, crescendo this a little again because we hit a crescendo in the middle of this but um with that support system you've seen some pretty incredible fucking strides and some pretty incredible growth um we got just a little bit of time here uh i've taken up a little bit too much of your time already i'm sorry but uh i'm good (laughs) you know what are some cool things that you have going on um upcoming and um yeah let's start there yeah, I mean, I would say so. I this am, releases in three weeks, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, three weeks. Yeah. Okay. So, but even still, let folks yeah. know what. The, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully by the time you guys hear this, I will already be into phase two of uh, the URL Crucible. That's where I plan to be. Uh, That's the ultimate rap league, the biggest uh, battle rap platform on the planet. Yes, and so I finally got a shot there. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out swinging there and see what happens. Uh, I got a lot of exciting battles coming up. I got a guy named Bad Influence in Idaho. He's from Seattle, um, has a little bit of clout in his city. That's going to be a cool battle. Uh, it's 
smoke Seli, guy who's been coming down to Mike Masters. That's his league. Uh, talking to some guys about some other out-of-state battles. But then I've got Josh Matter battle here in Utah on your album release. Um, that one's going to be very good. Anybody who's watching us that's going to come, that one will be funny. Um, I've we got, just released a lot of Zay. Yes, a lot of Zay was just barely came out. Um, so on the YouTube far, channel, Mike Masters. You not this YouTube channel, the Mike Masters YouTube channel. And so um, far, I'm super pleased with the comments. Um, I've seen a couple people feel like he got me, but it looks like most people feel like I got it. So that felt great. Um, I would like to get the views up on there, so I'm gonna keep running promotions on that. Um, I am about to release a music video called Win. Uh, I've got some more work to do to it, but it's going to be released soon. I'm also working on an EP. God, I've got a lot of things coming on right now. So you're focused, man. You're, yeah. you're just locked in, family life, this music life, and just like looking to progress and keep getting better, it sounds yeah. like. Yeah? Yeah. Dog, you are the fucking man. You are the shit. Where can people find you? Let them know everything on oh, that. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, so on all social media platforms, it's going to be official Mike Bailey, like no spaces, nothing like that, just official Mike Bailey, um, except for Facebook, which is Mike Bailey Blasted. Um, YouTube, well, that same thing, official Mike Bailey. I am on Spotify, Apple Music, all of that, official Mike Bailey. God, I don't really have anything special. It's all official Mike Bailey. <laughs> That's good. I yeah. mean, to have consistency is fucking yeah. sick, man. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. It's been, uh, it, like I said, I think that a part two is necessary. Like, I find that that's necessary for all this. I, th I think I'm going to start a fucking Patreon is what I'm going to do. So, like, I'll cut it here, and then we'll go into the Patreon episode. And, um, I, you know, for my supporters who want to uh, contribute, you guys – uh, can get an extra episode, um, you know, uh, in support, and I'll send you guys like a shirt or some shit. I'm gonna get a Patreon set Hell the yeah. fuck up. You know what I'm saying? That's what we're gonna fucking do. But in the meantime, man, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it for real, dog. Yeah, but I think before you cut it off, though, there was a something that you wanted to do. Was there something I wanted <laughs> yeah, to do? There was something you wanted to do. What was it that uh, I wanted? You wanted you wanted Mike Masters to be represented. I think correctly. At the URL Crucible. Oh, that's no, no, no. I was okay. No, no, yeah, yeah I, I was getting into that. No, I was getting. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like you were cutting it off. No, we no, I, well, I'm getting it up. You know. Yeah, he's like, he's like, what the fuck? Am I gonna get the fucking thing? Um, hey, um, I want to. Uh, yeah, I want to give you the shirt. Uh, it's the I Love Mike Masters shirt, uh, bought on, um, printed by Farrell's Media, um, and. You know, we're all rooting for you, homie. Yeah. So, like, uh, when this drops, um, you will have already competed. Yeah. But um, I hope that you can compete Thank with you. that joint there. Yes. I'm going to definitely rep Utah well with it. Man, dog. Um, thank you guys so much. Episode 9. Is that it? Episode 9? Episode, yeah. Episode 9 with Mike Bailey. Short story being out. Our stories. And um, I really, like I said, I really appreciate it. If you made it this far, check this shit out. This is a a new hoodie from the Camino Grimes Signature brand. It's got fucking Randy Savage on there, and he's uh, about to throw a, a elbow on fucking mumble rap. So <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, he's the shit. And this is on my store, utahrapper.com. Um, been seeing some good movement there, and I'm going to continue to um, – ramp that site up too so thank you guys so much i really do appreciate it and uh very grateful mike you're the shit dude yeah thank you you too hell yeah thank you and that's it
Spare fingers. Yes.